0: Yeah, so I'm concluding um, the playlist uh, series this morning, um, and I'm going to jump straight in in that familiar passage um, that I said you'll all probably know. And you'll find that in John 6, verses 1 to 13. And it's when Jesus feeds the 5,000, so maybe all of you um, will know it well. And at the start, I want to credit um, Steve Furtick here, some of my thoughts, some of the thoughts I'm using are his, um, tied in with um, a lot of my own. So John 6, 1 to 13. I'm going to um, make comments as I, I, I go along too. But it says this, some time after this, Jesus crossed the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberius. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. And that's the first place I'm stopping. You see, notice at this point, they're following Jesus for the things he can do, not for who he is. And if we're honest, if we're all honest with ourselves, we all follow Jesus at first because of what he can do for us. But there has to be a progression. See, if you are to become an authentic follower of Jesus, it has to become less of what he can do for you, but more about what he can do through you. You might be in need this morning, but have you thought about your situation like this? See, he might not do something for you because he wants to do something through you. See, you just want the problem fixed though, don't you? But what if, as well as fixing your problem, God wanted to use you to fix someone else's? That's another preach though. But to help you this morning, maybe change how you're viewing your situation, And your situation may change. And I'll come back to that in a while. Let's continue with verse 3. It says, Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? (laughs) He asked this only to test him. Notice these words, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And can I tell you this morning that when Jesus was nailed to the cross and everyone wept and they thought the light of the world was extinguished, he already knew what he was going to do. And can I tell you about the situation in your life that you didn't see a way out before God let you get in it? You know, that thing you're facing right now and you don't know how it's going to work out for you. He already knew what he was going to do. He's already prepared a way out for you and a way through for you. That health struggle, the job struggle, the financial struggle, the relationship struggle, the attitude struggle. You know, some of you might be in the position you're in today because you have a bad attitude. You've shut God out, which leads to opening the door and inviting other stuff in. I know that because I've been there and done that myself. And this morning, for a little while, I want to be vulnerable with you and share uh, a story that happened just a a while back. Many of you know that I've had um, a bad back now for the last 18 months, almost the entirety of my little um, daughter Evie's life. And it's been horrendous, probably the the worst 18 months of my life. You know, in that time, struggling for a a, a while, then I had back surgery. And in my head, I thought instantly I was going to recover. But no, it went worse for a period of time. And it was in that period of time that things had gone dark. You know, I got a bad attitude. I would built a narrative in my head that wasn't real. Some of you need to change the narrative that's in your head. You know, I'd lost my empathy. Family stuff was winding me up. Church was winding me up. And if I was honest, if I didn't have to come, I wouldn't have done. But I'm paid to do so, so I had to. I'm joking a little. I'm being honest with you this morning on being vulnerable and I think if we were more vulnerable as, as Christians it would all help each other in this difficult journey and what happened while I was in this in the middle of this bad attitude I got family um, and who's got the perfect family here anybody got the perfect family here I'm glad about that because mine's dysfunctional and I was very dysfunctional. Many of you know that. And anyway, something kicked off with my brothers. I'm not going to go there, but I went up to sort it out again in my bad attitude. I probably exacerbated the situation um, and I ended up getting headbutted by one of my brothers. Went back up to my nan's house to, to sort things out and I was I was fuming Um, and then I said to my nan, my brothers had come down from Wales, they were only going to stay for three days, it's four and a half months later, they've got no place um, to go back to and I said to my nan, nan they're here because you've invited them in, they're here as a result of your invitation and in that moment I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Simon, your bad attitude is a result of your invitation, you've invited it in. You know, sometimes there were days I couldn't get out of bed because of pain, but there were other days I didn't want to get out of bed. You know, I had a a bad attitude um, about everything. And through that, I learned, um, don't don't let the reason of something become an excuse for something. You know, I had a bad pack, that was the reason, but the bad attitude became my excuse, and it was a, a lousy one. And the bad attitude, it didn't just make things worse, it made things unbearable. It was uh, horrendous and it took me getting a a headbutt to have that revelation. You know, this morning, I hope you don't need to have a headbutt. I can offer them free in the foyer (laughs) out thereafter, but I'm praying that you get your own Revelation this morning, change the narrative in your head, change your perspective, and your situations may change. You know, be patient with Jesus in that situation you're going through, and know this, he already knows what he's going to do. We can have a living hope this morning, and Jesus may be doing some things to test you, and you're like, what? Well, that's what we just read in that passage, He was testing Philip. Surely you're saying, my, Jesus wouldn't do do that. That's what we read when he asked um, Philip, where shall we buy the bread for the people to eat? And you know, Jesus has every right to test you. You know that, don't you? He will test you, but he will never tempt you. You need to know the difference. And he tests us to strengthen our faith. That's the main reason he does that. And then we'll continue in verse 7. It says, Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. <laughs> Notice Philip's answer here. He's already done the calculations. You know, the text later in the passage, it, it tells us how many people are there and needed to be fed. But Philip is way ahead of the game. He's been going around like Mac with the clicker for ages. He's counting people's heads and there's thousands. Then in the other hand, he's, he's got a calculator and he's done the maths and he informs Jesus that it would, be, it would take half a year's wages just for them to have a bite. Jesus in his testing is trying to show Philip here that money, that resources, that all the stars we steal from the night sky will never be enough. Stuff, whatever stuff, it will never be enough. The answer, the only answer to what we need is Jesus. You see, it's never more stuff. It's always more Jesus. Verse 8. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. But we know there were women and children too. So many more. Jesus then took the loaves and gave thanks. Let me pause here a minute because there's a massive lesson here. Can you say thank you over a little bit? Can you be grateful over what seems to be not enough? See, when I look at this passage, I see the theme, not enough. There's not enough to go around. The Bible says, which I find kind of funny in verse 10, that there's plenty of grass in that place, but it's not grass they need, it's grub and there's not enough. Then Jesus, he took the loaves, he gave thanks over what was not enough and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. Verse 12, when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets, each one of them, got to take a basket home, 12 disciples, 12 baskets, with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And you know, if you've been in church any length of time, or or maybe not at all, you've probably heard about that passage, um, and you've probably heard it preached on uh, uh, hundreds of times, starting in Sunday school. You guys know it inside out. You, you know it's the one miracle that's recorded in all of the four gospels. You know it's about a boy with a happy meal. Yeah, that's a, essentially what it was. From that, though, we know he's no ordinary boy, because there's not many kids I know that would give away their happy meal. You know, getting one fry of Kara, my seven-year-old is a challenge. But with Evie, my littlest, there is no chance I won't even go there. It's mine, mine, mine. And you know about the 12 baskets left over too. So what possibly are you going to get from hearing this again today? Well, maybe nothing. But it might just help you change that bad attitude you have. Because if you're thinking that, then you have one. (laughs) Never enough. Never enough. Never enough is one of the biggest complaints people have in our world today. Brené Brown is, a, is an amazing author. She's a professor and author, research professor and author, who's got some great books out there. I recommend you check her out. She says that the mantra of our day is never enough she says we live in an age of never enough and she's right because no matter how much information we seem to put into the world we come up more with we we come up with more ignorance and less wisdom she says that we often wake up in the morning and our first thought is i didn't get enough sleep and then we go to bed at night and we think i didn't get enough done See, we may earn a lot of money, but we don't have enough opportunity to enjoy it. Or the flip side of that is that we have the opportunity to enjoy our lives, but we don't have enough money. Never enough. You know, as I've studied this passage and gone over it again and again, I see that in Christ, there is always enough. And I've realized that with his power inside of us, There is never not enough. Never not enough. It's flipped. And that's really the title of my talk. You see, we will always have what we need when our greatest need is Jesus. Your greatest need this morning isn't what you have or haven't got. Your greatest need this morning should be to have more of Christ. Who needs more of Christ this morning? Just me and a couple of others then. There's good news this morning. If you want more, there is more. You know, the Bible is full of promises that um, with Christ, there is never not enough. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says, You will, everyone say will, thank you. You will find me if you seek me with all your heart. James 4 verse 8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Proverbs 8 verse 17 says, I love those who love me and those who seek me will find me. Matthew 6 verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you also. Know that God will because he wants you to know his will. That may be cheesy, but it's the truth, so remember it. You know, in Christ, we can flip the never enough to never not enough. In Christ, you are never not enough. And I don't know what little you, ha- you may have this morning, but what I do know is this. You know, in the hands of our master, your little is never not enough in the Bible, we see that one jar can become many jars. And I've learned that God can do a lot with the little that I have, but he can do nothing with what I don't give him. You know, money. I've realized that there can never be enough money to make you feel like you have enough until God within you becomes enough. Then compliments. There can never be enough compliments to give you what you need compliments don't lead to confidence you'll never get real confidence that way See, your confidence has to has to come from the one who is enough and it's in him then who gives you what you need and I want to give you three things this morning that I've seen in this passage that the disciples learned um, and that what we need today see the first thing that they learned which we need today and this is massive is to lean in Lean in, guys. I said earlier that the one miracle, this one miracle is recorded in all four of the Gospels. That means it's pretty significant. See, we've got lame people walking, blind eyes opened, people being healed of all sorts of illnesses, and they don't make the four Gospels. Yet a little boy with a Happy Meal does Lazarus, who was raised from the dead. Lazarus, Jesus' best buddy who, who, who hung out together all the time. He didn't even make the four Gospels. You know, I'm glad this story did make the four Gospels because we have more information as a result. You see, in the other Gospels, we read that Jesus and the disciples, uh, they got away because John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, had been executed. He had his head chopped off. John's gospel doesn't tell us that. Jesus and his disciples were actually trying to get away. They were trying to regroup, trying to spend some time together, trying to get some healing. Yet they are met with a large crowd who are demanding their time. Any parent of an 18-month-old to three-year-old knows this. It's often mom, 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 mom. I'm glad it's mom, 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 mom. You know, Dee can't even go to the toilet for five minutes without mom, 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 mom. And this is what, exactly what's happening in this story. You know, Jesus wants to spend quality time with his disciples, but along come people. Know this. Your greatest opportunity will come at the most inconvenient times, but you have to lean in. You won't always be in a good mood. You see, you won't always feel ready. You won't have an extra £15,000 in the bank to, to give away. But it may be that God shows up in the time of shortage to see if you really trust Him. We see this in the passage this morning. There is a massive crowd, and they're hungry, they're starving. And again, we're told in one of the other Gospels that the disciples went to Jesus and they wanted him to send the crowd away. How crazy is that? But you see, there is always a temptation to send away the very thing that God sent to supply you with the very thing you prayed for. Remember, the disciples followed Jesus because they wanted to make a difference. And here, when they get the chance, Ah, they want to send the crowd away. If they'd have uh, sent them away, we not only, uh, wouldn't, this miracle would not only have uh, happened, but they also wouldn't have had any lunch. Do you know how I know that? Because it was the little boy's lunch that fed the multitudes, not Peter's. Peter didn't even pack a sandwich. Why are you pointing out that, Simon. Well, because the very provision was in the inconvenience. I hope you see that. It was what they wanted to go away was actually what they needed. See, sometimes your provision is going to be in the inconvenience. Sometimes we don't do stuff as humans because it may put us out. We haven't got the time. We haven't got the effort. We haven't got the money. Whatever it is, we we don't do stuff because it will put us out. But remember the next time you feel like that, remember the next time you may feel like that because you might be the miracle and God's putting you in that place. Remember that next time. Look, notice who's around you. There are some things that you need to lean into in life no matter how difficult they may seem. The word we need most is the one we most resist. You've often been challenged by people who who can speak directly into your life and you're like, ouch, I don't want to hear that. You know that word. It's the word that makes you cross your arms, that causes your face to scowl. It's the word that makes you feel uncomfortable. It's the one that challenges you. It's the one that makes you step out of your comfort zone. It's the one that we need to lean into. You see, you grow when you lean in. And guys, when we all lean in together, that's when we'll see this community changed. But you know, some people, they don't want to lean in. They want to sit back. Listen, God wants us, every one of us, to be here. He wants to use every one of you. You all have a part to play. God doesn't want you to sit back comfortably. He wants you to step out and grow your faith. And when you lean in, you cannot have a posture of comfort. So guys, lean in. I want to encourage you to do that. Lean in in your marriages when things get difficult. Lean in in your friendships. Lean in in your relationship with God. It changes everything. And then it may be that the word you resist at first is the one God will use to release most through you. Hmm. The second is look down. The second I think the disciples learned from this is look down. And you're like, surely no, it's it's look up. Well, no, you know, Jesus got the crowd to sit down. So the disciples would be better placed to help them. You know, as Christians, Christians are, are greater looking up. You know, Jesus, it's all about you. I want to worship you. I want to pray. We study our Bible. It should be good. There's nothing wrong with that. But when was the last time you fed the poor? When was the last time you helped the widow? When was the last time you visited someone in prison? Guys, lean in. Matthew 25, 42 says this. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. See, guys, we need to look down in order to help people up. We should live top down, not bottom up. And let me explain what I mean by that. Well, when we live bottom up, we tend to focus on what we can do in our own strength We start at the bottom, don't we? In business, in teams, whatever it may be. And we try and work our way up. But when we live top-down, our security and identity is rooted in Christ. And we're not working for something. We're working from something. And we have everything we need in order to give it away. When we live top-down, we see inconveniences as invitations. We're not scared to look down to help someone up. We're not scared to get our hands dirty. We're not scared to spend a couple of minutes out of our shopping trip to speak to someone who needs it. When we live top down, we know who we are in Christ. And we know that in every situation, there is never not enough. See, Christ has our back. And that means you're not living for a pat on the back you get on with what you're called to do. And that is to show Christ's love and redemptive power to everyone you come into contact with. You know, in the passage, Philip lived Philip lived bottom up. He'd done all of the con- calculations. He knew how much it would cost to, to buy the bread. But guys, he missed the bread of life that was standing in front of him. Sometimes you need to do things through revelation and not reason. And this is where Andrew steps into the story. And we see that Andrew lived top down. We see something in the Bible that we never see again. Andrew spoke up. And this is the last thing I want to leave you with. You know, as Christians, we need to speak up. You see, you never see Andrew speak again any time in the Bible. But thank God he did, because we see a miracle that's in all four of the Gospels. He spoke up, and it seemed kind of silly. He said, here we have a a boy with five small loaves and two fish. How far are they going to go against so many? He spoke up, but he also spoke out in faith. Yes, that would have been kind of silly if it had been anyone else but Jesus. But but you see, Andrew knows what Jesus can do. There's a difference when you live top down. You see things from Jesus' point of view and not your own. This morning, what do you need to see from Jesus' point of view? What do you need to see through the lens of Jesus in your own life? What is it you need to speak out? That may seem silly, but in faith will make perfect sense. See, we may need to forget reason and seek revelation. God, I know, has spoken to many of you in this room over the course of your lifetime, but it may be that you've reasoned your way out of it. And Father God, I pray if that is you, I pray for fresh revelation this morning. See, you're not too old. You're not past it. You're not too young. You're not too stupid. Your circumstances don't phase God. He can use you in them and through them. God is simply looking for people who will live top down. You see, God will never ask anything from you that he won't give to you. Don't write yourself off when God is always always writing you in. We need to speak up for others that may not have a voice either. You know, God has given you a voice of hope. Use it in this world that desperately needs it. And as I come to a close and invite the band back, I'm well aware that many of you are in difficult situations right now. And you need to hear those words in verse 6 when Jesus asked Philip that question where are we gonna get the money to buy the bread but it was a test you need to know that and over your situation you need to know this he already knew what he was going to do I feel God wants you to know that he knows your situation this morning he knows that thing that seems impossible to you but to him he already knows what he's going to do Maybe in your job you're struggling struggling to find a job Maybe a health situation right now you've, you've had some terrible news Marriage might be in difficulty other relationships You have a a tense. You need to know this morning that you have a a living hope because Jesus already knows what he's going to do. You can have hope in that this morning. I feel your miracle is, is on its way, particularly for those of you that have been crying out for one. I really felt at the 9.30 service and I feel like they're saying that some of you are here today, and <laughs> you've given God the scenario of this is your last chance. If you don't speak to me today, then that's it. I'm ready to chuck the towel in. You're holding on by a thread. You need to know this this morning. Jesus already knows what he's gonna do. He's with you, he's for you, he's got your back. Change that attitude shut the door on some of the stuff you've been inviting in and allow God to come back in. Listen, if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you in your faith. You know, at the end of the passage, at the end of the passage, we know there's 12 baskets left over. Have you ever wondered, is it just me, have you ever wondered where the 12 baskets came from well check this perhaps it was jesus jesus who already put the baskets in the boat before they left to set out why because he already knew what he was gonna do in your situation this morning may you know he already knows what he's gonna do may you know that Christ is enough and it's here in this moment that I want us all to declare that over our situations and circumstances and how we're going to do that one of the ways is that we're going to take communion together because it's here we remember that when Jesus was nailed to the cross and everyone wept and they thought the light of the world had been extinguished he already knew what he was going to do. His body was broken and his blood was shed so that we would have life. And guys, not just any life, but a full life, an abundance of life. Because in Christ, there is never not enough. So as the band plays and, and leads us through this song, Christ is enough. I want to invite you to come. Servers, would you come? Would you take the cloths off the tables? And as the guys begin to play, let this be your response this morning. Man, Jesus' body was broken for you. His blood was shed for you so that you could have life. May you know this morning that in Christ, there is never not enough. You have more than enough you are complete in him so as the band plays i want to invite you to come take the bread take the juice back to your seats and then we're going to declare this powerful hymn as we leave christ is enough